Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're joined in uh, this portion of our program. I'm looking forward to the, this discussion because the gentleman who is joining us is an interesting background. Uh, he is a co-author of Aftershock, The Human Toll of War, Haunting World War II Images by America's Soldier Photographers. Now, just saying that title probably gets your attention and also kind of gets you wondering. A lot of people think, especially at this time of the year with Veterans Day coming up, they sort of take a, a time to pause and think of really what we're talking about when we talk about war and its images and the aftermath. And obviously, too, with um, the impact that this has had on so many veterans in this country who are alive and are dealing with various issues and the like, it's uh, something that kind of stays very much in our thoughts. But this is a very interesting publication. Now, officially, this is coming out very soon. It's not out for purchase just yet, but I'm very pleased to have Rich Cahan. Yeah, it is Cahan. C-A-H-A-N. Okay. What does it mean for you at this point? And what's, I guess, what's the anticipation like? Books still have great meaning to people, and they have lives of their own. And um, I wrote this book so that people would, would think about you know, big issues, uh, issues about war and peace. And, um, and so I'm just really interested. I've, I've seen an advanced copy of the book, and I'm very pleased with it. Um, and I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing its effect. Uh, books are like children, are like people, because they go out into the world, and you, you, you really have no idea how they'll grow up. And um, the release is the day that, in a sense, a book is born. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see this book uh, to me, is is very profound and um, it's disturbing, and it makes you think about war, and it makes you think about life. And I can't wait to share it with people. Tell us about your co-author in this venture. Uh, I've I've worked for years, uh, for almost twenty years, with uh, a man by the name of Michael Williams. We're, we're Chicago based, and we've been called picture historians, which is a term that I had never really heard before. Some um, book reviewer called us that. What we do generally is. We take large picture collections um, and try to make sense and try to find the stories of these collections. Uh, we recently wrote a book a couple of years ago called Un-American, which is a book about the incarceration of Japanese Americans, and that was based on government photographs of um, the years that Japanese Americans were forcibly removed from their homes and taken uh, to incarceration centers. And uh, I guess we're continuing the story in a way because this is a book of government photos taken of the very final year of World War II. It it starts on January 1st, 1945, and ends at the very end of December of 1945, and really takes a critical look of what the world looked like that year. It's a a pivotal year in in our history. Um, 
everything changed. Uh, World War II ended, and many of the forces that still, still not define us, but forces that we still deal with, um, uh, Vietnam, uh, uh, Israel, um, China, uh, Europe, uh, were set in motion that year. So even though this book is about the end of World War II, it's not so much a, a war book as a look at the effect of war and and how the end of World War II uh, is relevant today. You know, you mentioned 1945, and 1945 realistically was one of the most violent years in, in history. It was. You know, World War II is coming to a close. At that time, you have a situation where Germany is basically in tatters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japan was bombed. Concentration camps are opened. Can we realistically, in the day and age where we live, fully comprehend what that was like? You know, I think that was the most surprising part of the book. I was born in 1953, just a few years after the end of World War II. And um, and the wars that we have fought um, have all been very isolated and concentrated on small places. Mm-hmm. But uh, But obviously that can turn into world wars pretty easily there there are still so many alliances in the world today and and uh, obviously if uh, uh iran is attacked um it brings in so many different forces so unfortunately i think this could happen again and um i wrote this book so that people will be sobered over the possibility of what what small wars can become and and that's a terrible term to use the word small wars because people who are involved in those small wars are as traumatized as um, people in, in large world wars. But but it can happen, and I, I just I want people. You know, we, we always hear the phrase that uh, wars are generational, and 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 I just don't want the new generations to ever forget what World War II was because it's a very important tale, and um, and I think that. Um, you know, the the book is filled with over 200 photographs, but each photograph is really researched. So I, I want people to see it more than anything else, and then I want them to learn about each photograph and how they work together. How did you come up with the photographs that you're able to use in this book? My colleague, Michael Williams, and I, and, and Mark Jacob, who's a third co-author, um, uh, we work a lot at the National Archives um, in College Park, Maryland. People know the National Archives, the building in downtown Washington, and there are records there, but most of the records are in College Park, Maryland. And um, we spent weeks there uh, looking at World War II photographs uh, because we think the war is so important, and we really determined that we wanted to focus on 1945. Um, this this group of um, Army photographers that the book is based on are, are very famous for their photographs of D-Day and for their action photographs from the Africa in 42 and all over the world in 42, 43, 44. But they're not as well known for these pictures that show the aftermath of war. And those were the pictures that really talked to us um, uh, to see w- what Germany looked like after the bombings and um, you know what, what Manila looked like. I think, I think one of the big surprises is how how widespread the war is and 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 we actually we we show the photographs in chronological order so that you literally go from the battle of bulge on january 2nd or 3rd to uh, burma on january 4th you know so it's it's you're, you're bouncing around the country in a, in a way uh, bouncing around the world 
And I think that's important for people. I, it's discombobbling for the reader, but I, I, I want readers to understand this was a different kind of war than they're used to. So if there's eh, 250 images that are included in the book, right? you went through... A couple hundred thousand. It's, it's, it's hard to uh, know because the photographs at the National Archives are kind of mixed uh, between World War II and the Korean War. I know that sounds strange, but they are. And so it was hard to keep count. Um, but we looked at, mostly we looked at little books that had contact sheets, and a contact sheet is a look at a photograph the same size that it was taken, but it's a tiny little print. And so we looked at those photographs. And, and, and what I think was most exciting was the National Archives gave us permission to then, once we had picked the 250 pictures, to then literally we found the negative of each photograph. And the negatives, I hope, I hope, readers, I hope listeners still remember what negatives are, but, but these negatives were generally about um, three inches wide by uh, three inches four inches wide by three inches deep. So they were large negatives, not the kind of negatives that we were used to as we were kids. Mm -hmm. And we could put them on a scanner and scan the negatives. And scanners and negatives love each other because they're both about, the negatives have tremendous photographic information and the scanner can pick up things that, that no print, no old print could pick up. And so you see these photographs in a way that nobody has ever seen them, including the photographer. So it's been very exciting, the quality of, uh, of what's there. Most of the pictures have never been seen before, but some have, some very famous pictures of the, the concentration camps being emptied. And you'll see the detail of those pictures in a way that, 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 has never, that have never been seen before. Doing the story or stories behind each photo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was that like? And why did you tackle that task well the photographers actually in this case left quite a bit of basic information about the photographs they they left the date of the photograph and they were like journalists they they usually left the name of the subject of the photograph uh but that was about all that they left and and that's that's a great start um so we wanted to fill in the context we wanted to to explain each picture uh and, and, and that took us on, you know, obviously a, a whole history lesson. Um, but then we did something else. We tried to find the, if there was a subject, we tried to track down that subject and find out exactly what happened to them. Um, and if there was, and, and then we tried to find out the story of each of the photographers. And um, that, was a, that was a wonderful, you know, uh, we did it pretty much from our homes, but we contacted people that there's a, there's a picture of a man on the cover, which I think is the most uh, telling picture in the book. It's a man, it looks like he's, well, he was, uh, he, he, he was an American GI who had just been, uh, just, just become free, and he's wearing actually a German officer's hat. So, of course, we had so many questions about what that picture meant. And um, we, he, he, as it turns out, he died a few years ago, but his family was, uh, is, is around in, in Colorado, and he, he had left a 18-page account of his capture and um, how he became free. And so these inside stories that no one ever found before was was invaluable and exciting. And you know, uh, almost all of these people who were subjects in the photos and the photographers 
really didn't talk much about the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the families said people either talk a lot about the war the rest of their lives, or they never talk about the war. And it so happens, few of them talked about the war. But as we started talking to their families, we got little hints about what they what their fathers knew about the war. Uh, one family recalled that his father took him down to the dark room and showed him how he had, you know, it was still very, uh, he was very, very much a photographer, even though he was a stockbroker the rest of his life. Um, these were big experiences for these photographers, and they obviously never forgot it. Mm. And in reaching them, getting them to, to talk, what was that like? Oh, I think most of the families were very proud of their fathers. Um, they remember these photographers. These these men were part of what was called the Army Signal Corps, mm-hmm. and um, they went out with a camera. They carried a camera instead of a gun. Uh, they actually were issued guns, but as one photographer wrote, you know, you can't shoot pictures and shoot guns at the same time. So most of them actually didn't even carry their guns with them, and. Um, they are very heroic uh, because they had to be on the front line at all times. There weren't a lot of great pictures, you know, miles behind the front line. And so they really put their lives uh, in jeopardy. And I don't think that most of them realized what they were, what they were handing down to future generations. Um, you know, they, they were mostly concerned about their lives. Uh, but, what they, but what they left, these photographs, are very important because they do talk, uh, they do, in a sense, warn us and future generations what total war is all about. Mm. And it's interesting when you use that phrase, total war, because yeah. realistically, we haven't been in anything that would qualify as total war since 1945. You're, you're right, Bob. That's, that's very important. You know, total war really meant if you lived in, in, in Europe or if you lived in um, uh, the Philippines or, you know, y- you as a civilian were uh, suffering food shortages, uh, you could be bombed, uh, you could be killed. Um, and, and the wars that we have fought from America, in the American standpoint, uh, p- civilians are not endangered. And, um, and that, that makes a, a huge difference. Um, there were over 400,000 Germans killed in airstrikes in, in, in 1944 and 1955. And uh, there were 100,000 people killed in a Tokyo, the Tokyo firebombing in, in, in May of 1945. And, you know, and obviously people know about the atomic bomb. So people were very much in harm's way through, throughout much of the war. And um, the food shortages and the, you know, the suffering that went on, uh, the, the blitzes in London, you know, um, this is very different than today when you, when you read about war from very far away. Mm. It does put things in perspective, especially, you know, at those times when we hear discussions about peace negotiations, they break down, and for some people... They may view war as eh, it's a natural option. Yeah, they may even view it somewhat routinely. I agree with you, as if yeah, as if war really should be an option. Mm. And it's uh, you know it's 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 frightening. And I, I you know I hope this book at least puts the evidence on the table. And 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 we actually showed the photographs I mentioned 
you know, uh, scanning the negatives, we usually showed the photographs, well, we always showed the photographs full frame, and we oftentimes even showed the, the writing on the edges of the photographs because we wanted this to be evidence. We wanted this to be uh, very clear that this is, you know, this is evidence, and, and, and you should take it as that. It's more than just a photograph. Mm. Doing this book, did this change you in any way? Um, I think I'm naturally a peacenik. I, I don't know if that's a great word. That's a word from our generation or earlier generation. Um, but it made me convinced at the seriousness of war. So I think it did change me. I think I was. Uh, I think this is really important work, and I was proud to just pass this down. You know, it's not work that I created at all. It's it's you know it's work that um, you know I guess I found. Uh, I mean, anyone can find. Anyone can go into the uh, National Archives and find these photographs. But it's work that I shared, and so it did change me. I feel a connection to World War II that that um, uh, that I'm that I'm. I, uh, proud. I don't know if proud is the word. Um, there's a photograph that actually my father was in, was slightly involved in. Um, there was a um, six-month death march um, that uh, Jewish um, captives were put on at the end of the war, and my father uh, was the, the the physician who helped many of these. Uh, there were about 150. The, the, the death march starts. The death march started with one, over 1,000 women, and uh, six months later there were 150 left in a barn in Czechoslovakia. And my father was with one of the soldiers that that found the barn, and he helped these women um, uh, recover, which was a huge uh, medical uh, challenge because they were down to 75 pounds. And um, and interestingly, I came across. A picture of my father. We didn't include it in the book, but I included his name. Taking care of one of the women, and ironically, they spelled his name wrong. So I would have never found it without um, without being at the National Archives. But I did know about this incident, and um, uh, my my father has letters. My father had letters from some of the women thanking him for his work. So, but it was wonderful to see this picture and, and to include this story in the book. Mm. The book is entitled Aftershock, The Human Toll of War, and the book officially is coming out um, really, I guess, about, a little after. About Veterans Day. Uh, around Veterans Day itself. Right. Final thought for you. Sure. Veterans Day. I think this is a natural question. I say Veterans Day to you. What comes to mind? Oh, I, I think a lot about uh, people who, who um, had their lives changed uh, and who who suffered uh, very quietly the rest of their lives because they they fought for this country. Um, uh, World War II and World War II. I think that they drafted people up to the late their late thirties. And um, you know we don't have a draft now, but we're we're always close to having a draft draft draft. And um, I think about the sacrifice that people made. We oftentimes think of the sacrifice. That people made who died in, in wars, but obviously there's not anyone I don't think that ever went overseas to fight a war that that hasn't suffered, that hasn't had their whole lives changed, and and so I think this this book also, um, you know, gives people a hint at at what veterans have 
gone through. Most interesting discussion. I'm assuming it's going to be a very interesting book as well. And thank you for providing me with some advanced material on this. Uh, thank really you, Really some fascinating images associated with this book. Um, certainly the best with the book, with your future work. Thank you so much for joining us on our program today, Rich. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.